In episode 40, we discussed the week that was, including say what battles. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, Afghanistan, a lot going on there. Uh, we've got a call in your shot uh, talking about the what we think the Minnesota Vikings record will be. Uh, we'll have an initials game where Jeremy and I will seek to be a bit more competitive. And we will take a look at Philippians 4, 4 through 7 in Fix Your Eyes. Welcome to Six in the Mix. A band of brothers talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Join us on our journey. All right, welcome to episode 40 of Six in the Mix. Uh, leave comments, topic suggestions on our Facebook page, probably the best way to connect with us. Uh, you can also find our videos on YouTube, and uh, uh, you can also listen to the audio versions uh, at the regular spot, Spotify or Apple. Um, you know, Please like those podcasts, uh, give, them, give them a five-star rating, give them a thumbs up, share them a like, uh, that would be fantastic, and, and share it with a friend uh, would also be good. But uh, let's jump into the week that was. Uh, boy, we had certainly a lot going on. We're going to focus a fair amount on Afghanistan, but we're going to kick it off with a say what battle. And uh, this is a this is a battle. Um, this is a battle that is a Biden administration three way battle. Okay, so we had we had uh, it's, it's really it's not two. There's three, um, and so we're going to kick it off like that. And we got a three way battle, and uh, uh, here we go. I have a sense that most of the criticism is not of leaving Afghanistan. It's the way that he has ordered it to happen by pulling the troops before getting these Americans who are now stranded. Does he have a sense of that? First of all, I think it's irresponsible to say Americans are stranded. They are not. We are committed to bringing Americans who want to come home home. We are in touch with them via phone, via text, via email, via any way that we can possibly reach Americans to get them home if they want to return home. There are no Americans stranded is the White House's official position on what's happening in Afghanistan right now. I'm just calling you out for saying that we are stranding Americans in Afghanistan when I said, when we have been very clear that we are not leaving Americans who want to return home. We are going to bring them home. And I think that's important for the American public to hear and understand. What are you talking about, mister? Does the president not know what's going on? This is an incredibly emotional time uh, for for many of us, uh, and including allies and partners who've been shoulder to shoulder with us in Afghanistan for 20 years uh, at high cost to themselves as well as to us. They stood with us after 9-11, invoked Article 5 of NATO for the first time. An attack on one is an attack on all. And we've been there together. But I've got to tell you this, Chris, from the get-go, uh, I spent more time with our NATO partners in Brussels. What are you talking about, mister? Will President Biden, after his remarks today, take questions? He's given a couple of speeches. He did the interview with ABC News. But the White House press corps and the American people have a lot of direct questions for him. Will he take those today? The president never shies away from taking questions. I'll let him make a decision if he's going to take questions this afternoon. But you saw he just did a full uh, sit-down interview on this just uh, just yesterday. So he is always willing to take questions, uh, and I'll let him decide if he's going to do that after his remarks today. Why do you continue to trust the Taliban, Mr. President? Thank you. Thank you very much, and thank you, Commissioner. I, I really think it all works. I'm not, I'm not supposed to take any questions, but go ahead. I'm not going to answer Afghanistan now. Okay. What are you talking about, mister? All right. So 
we had a three-way battle. What uh, what do you guys think? I got. I'll go first. I'll say. I'll say that Chris Wallace interview. What a what a complete non answer to the question. <laughs> he was Seriously? just like, I could not get out. Uh, what what question did you just answer? And how did I can't believe you know Chris Wallace didn't even call about it. That's I hate when they do that. They just let it go. You know they don't answer the question. Well, just answer my question, please. That was pathetic. Yeah, who is that? Uh, that, that Blinken. Was a, Blinken. Yeah, that's yeah. Blinken. Yeah. Oh, he's a clown. Oh. All right, so we got one vote for Blinken. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I guess I'm gonna. I'm gonna go with Blinken as well. But I just want to say that it's. It's not even a say what moment with Biden turning and walking away when there are a hundred questions that need to be answered right now about some very serious things that are actually taking place. So I would say that the say what of just the nonsense uh, of Blinken wins, but I am ticked about the say what of turn, turn around and face us, Mr. President, and, and answer some questions. And if you don't have the answers, get some competent people in there to answer them for us and not just for us, but for the American soldier, the American um, citizen that's over there in the Afghani, um, just a sad, sad, sad set of circumstances. And unfortunately a say what moment. All right. We got two votes for Blinken, Ryan. Yeah, Matt, will you remind me the purpose of say what is the person talking isn't making any sense, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's trying to, it's trying to pick who was, either the most confusing or the most, you know, hmm. you know, misdirecting. So it's yeah. uh, out of those three candidates, who do we think was the, you know, would cause us to be like, what? You know, yeah. That's, that's the question. Yeah. In, in that case, um, I, I would agree. I think it was, I think it was Blinken because the last person that was interviewed, uh, she was a lady and I think Hurricane Ida was behind her or something. She was just simply saying something that was a lie saying that president biden always takes questions and he right is so (laughs) in a sense that was just a straight up lie versus blinken as you guys already mentioned he just walked away he he just gave some blah blah answer to the question uh, that that chris wallace had and usually chris wallace doesn't let people get away with that yeah 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 Yeah, it's interesting i i would actually disagree with you guys i think I think Blinken gave an answer because that's like the, that's the, the liberal way is to, is to kind of, is to kind of talk all around it. He gave an answer. He basically, yes, he has absolutely no clue what's going on because (laughs) it's a very emotional time and, and he can't, he can't be uh, expected to keep logical thought and order and leadership. It's a very emotional time with everything that's going on. He answered the question. He basically said, yes, Biden does not know what's going on. Um, but I'm going to go, I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to go with the winner was, and unfortunately I don't have her name, but yeah, the gal that had some weather behind her, I think that was the craziest one where she just, she did right. Exactly right. She just straight up lied. Oh, he's never shied away from questions. And I could have played <laughs> 20 clips out of the last 22 presidential speeches where no questions, no questions, no questions, no questions. And then that last, I don't know if you guys caught that, that last clip just happened tonight. He was talking about, you know, the uh, hurricane Ida. And so the first question somebody wants to ask him, which is interesting is not about hurricane Ida was Afghanistan. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, he's pulling the plug. He's out of there. Yeah. <laughs> tonight. Oh my God. Did that he was just, just, did that he was turn just it? To, 
did he turn did he turn to the side and not know where to go was that was that also did that also happen or was he like confused as to where he was and where he should go or was he just because that's what it looked like and i thought that was another video where he turned to the side and had no (laughs) idea to go or where he was yes yeah he didn't know what he was saying he jumbled his words you know uh, at the end of it and yeah then he didn't know where to go it's just it's so it's so unbelievable um but uh but yeah um anyway so I just want to jump in here. I know, I know we're going to be talking about, about prayer later on, but we, we really do need to pray for the guy. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, I, it's a fair point. We, we yeah. have, we have, I don't know why even, I think there was some criticism about his wife allowing him to run for office, maybe knowing his capacities right now. So I, I you can't really, you can question the, the, the American voters. He set a record though, right? 85 million votes uh, in the last election. Ryan, your number keeps going up every single podcast. It was like 75, then it went to 80. Now we're at 85. <laughs> Where do you get he found, he found some more ballots stuffed in the <laughs> back of a so. truck. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, so it's, it's just a sad state of affairs that we, we have a president and we now look feeble because he's the face of our country, but yet we're still as believers told to pray for our, our leaders. And so um, to, to answer your question though, Matt, yeah, that's why I was trying to differentiate. Are we talking about say what in terms of who's telling us the biggest pile of baloney or who's throwing us into more confusion? So I, I, I see a case for both. Yeah. Yeah. I've got uh, actually have a, a bonus battle for us. So what's interesting is uh, former President Trump also gave a speech the day of the uh, of the the suicide attack uh, in Afghanistan. Um, and so what I want to do is just play about the first minute of President Biden's speech versus President Trump's speech. I don't know if you guys saw President Trump's speech. Um, but just to kind of compare and contrast a little bit, um, yeah, I don't know if this is necessarily a battle, but I, I think it is. It, there's just a, a fairly clear uh, distinction uh, between the two. So here we go. A tough day. This evening in Kabul, as you all know, terrorists attacked that we've been talking about, worried about, that the intelligence community has assessed, uh, has undertaken an attack by a group known as ISIS-K, took the lives of American service members, standing guard at the airport, and wounded several others seriously. He had also wounded a number of civilians, and civilians were killed as well. I've been engaged all day in constant contact with the military commanders here in Washington, the Pentagon, as well as in Afghanistan and uh, Doha. And uh, my commanders here in Washington in the field have been on this with great detail, and you've had a chance to speak to some so far. The situation on the ground is still evolving. And I'm constantly being updated. As one nation, America mourns the loss of our brave and brilliant American service members in a savage and barbaric terrorist attack in Afghanistan. These noble American warriors laid down their lives in the line of duty, 
They sacrificed themselves for the country that they loved, racing against time to rescue their fellow citizens from harm's way. They died as American heroes, and our nation will honor their memory forever. I want to express my deepest condolences to the families of those we have lost. Today, all Americans grieve alongside you. Together, we also pray that God will heal the other courageous American service members who were wounded in this heinous attack. In addition, our hearts are with the families of all the innocent civilians who died and with the many men, women, and children who were terribly injured in this act of evil. All right. Any thoughts on the two different uh, speeches uh, about the same thing? Well, one appeared to be awake, and the other one appeared to be just breathing. (laughs) Just breathing. (laughs) Yeah, right, right. Yeah, it was, you know, I I don't think we've got to necessarily belabor it, but it was just interesting to watch, you know, the pacing. And, I mean, I think trying to be a little bit fair, obviously President Trump probably isn't necessarily going through the grueling you know, updates and, you know, round the clock, if, if it is around the clock, um, you know, updates and such, and the weight probably doesn't feel the weight as much, but it was, it was just, it was so interesting, just the stark uh, contrast. I think one of you guys called it out, just the, the face that we're presenting to the world as far as confidence and, 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 and here's our strategic vision and here's our plan. It's, it's very scary. It's very weak. It's very, um, you know, it's very much, uh, uh, a real struggle. And uh, I do, I do feel bad for the guy. I think he's, he's not the one that's in control. He's the puppet head for whoever else is pulling the strings behind him. Whoever's telling him to, to, to talk to which, which reporters asking the questions. They, did you guys get that? They instructed me that after that, here's, here's who they, who's they like, it's, it's just, yeah. it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, it's nuts. I, I, I think, I don't know if you saw later on when uh, President Biden was giving that address to, I don't know if it was a press conference or just talking to the nation, um, but did you see that pose he took where I think it was after the Fox News reporter he called on and then he just kind of crumbled? And, you know, I, what does that show? Um, it shows a guy, like you said, Matt, he, he's under the strain that President Trump isn't under right now. He's he he regardless of that, he's in a very feeble physical condition and mental condition from from everything we can gather. And I guess I'm just I'm just feeling sorry for him at this point. Hmm. Um, I, I, I feel I feel terribly that he's going through what he's going through. He signed up for the job and um, <laughs> the 25th Amendment is out there. And I it sounds like both sides are talking more and more about it. Um, if, if, if he's the one who made this decision to pull us out with these consequences, um, those, those drum beats are going to get louder. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. I think it was Greg Gutfeld who said something to the fact that, uh, Greg Gutfeld from Fox news, he said something to the fact that, uh, president Biden was elected to win the election and not, not elected to lead the nation. So, <laughs> hmm. It's just, uh, yeah, he won the election, but boy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was listening to something this week too, that I, struck home with me. And I, I actually asked myself professionally the question, you know, there are some jobs that you, there are people that are in the job that do not belong there. 
they just don't belong there. Maybe they just don't have the, the, the capability, the skill, um, the, the ability to adjust or to grow into the position. And they just hit the, their own ceiling for whatever, you know, their own God-given, you know, talent has been reached. And they're just not going to go further than that. And they shouldn't be in the job. And I feel like, yeah, we, we elected somebody who just can't do it. They, he just he can't get it done. And even if he did have the mental capacity at this point, I, I don't know that, you know, the stress of all of the things that we see happening right now, I mean, hurricane, war, um, you know, coronavirus, you know, pandemic, you, you name all the, and that's in Southern border, just to name the four big ones, not to mention, you know, that there's hundreds of thousands of little fires burning in Washington and one man's going to take that on, even with the staff. That's amazing. That's just an impossible, it's an impossible job. And yet there are some people who are built to do that. God gifts them the ability to get through all of that quagmire to figure out, okay, what's really, what really needs to be done and then do something about it. We just don't have that with this president, unfortunately. Yeah, certainly, uh, certainly we, we do need to pray for him as, as Christians and believers. We need to uphold him in prayer. Uh, he still is the leader that God put uh, in charge of our nation. So, uh, so we definitely need to uphold them through prayer. Uh, last, last, uh, thing of the week that was, uh, hurricane Ida hit, uh, hit Louisiana, I think, uh, directly today. Um, and I just had a question kind of related to that. And certainly we, we pray for the folks down there and that they'll make wise decisions and, and that hopefully all lives will be spared, but it's a, it's a massive hurricane. I think they said one of the biggest ever to hit, uh louisiana so we certainly hope that uh it won't be as bad as katrina but it might be uh question have you guys ever been in a hurricane or tornado and if not what's the most severe weather you've ever been through ryan we'll uh we'll start with you yeah i've been through some tornado warnings uh where i've taken shelter but i don't think the tornado did damage within a half mile, a mile of where I was both, I think in Minnesota that happened once or twice. And then in Missouri that happened. And actually in Oklahoma, I stayed in Oklahoma for a year and a half. And within our first two months, there was a tornado warning. So we were all in the basement for a while, but more significantly than that, I actually have been in a hurricane before. Uh, When I attended uh, Pensacola Christian college, there was a hurricane back, I think it was 1995. So late summer, 95 hurricane Opal. And so I, uh, I remember we all had to get inside the hallways uh, from our dorm rooms and just uh, shelter in the hallways. And uh, we, thankfully, all of the uh, students, staff were safe, but, but the campus did sustain some damage. Some, some roofs, I think, were taken off and, of course, some other collateral damage. But, yeah, God, God spared uh, human life uh, in that time. But, yeah, kind of, kind of interesting. I can actually say I've been in a hurricane, even though I spent most of my life in Minnesota. Wow. Don, how about you? Yeah, I don't think I've obviously never been through a hurricane um, and never have uh, in all my years here in Minnesota been involved seriously in a, in a, in a tornado. My family growing up, I never went to the basement for anything. There could have been, and who knows, I might've gone through a tornado. I just didn't know anything about it. I was probably still (laughs) stuck in my room playing video games. I don't know if the power went out. I was like, Oh, what's going on? You know? And I don't know. Yeah, who knows? But yeah, now that now that I have a family wait, now, I'm going wait, downstairs like all the time. Wait, wait, <laughs> time, time out. What, what? 
you said when you were growing up, you just did not pay any attention to the warning, like the, oh, the sirens we never, going off. We never it, went downstairs. Never. My parents, we we'd sat in front of our picture window and watched it go down. We didn't. I didn't. We didn't know any better. I didn't know any I, better. I do like that approach. But <laughs> interesting. They kept the kids up there doing that too. Yeah, clearly, clearly pre bunker Don. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get real close to the glass, kids. Just, the only time and that came back, oh, that almost bit us because when that was happening, we had well, there was a lightning strike behind our house, and um, it just rocked the whole house and everything, you know. And I thought it, it literally was like a bomb went off, and one of the trees behind we lived in a pretty wooded area, and one of the trees behind us uh, fell and and came like inches away from crushing the house. So it was crazy, but. I'm calling. I'm calling for some sister verification on that. So I've got I've got two call outs for the sisters. Please verify that. Well, they were not there. It was only I can only say it was just my mom and me at the at the house. So they who knows where they were. They were probably off in in college. Probably out in the backyard, take <laughs> videotaping it. Yeah, never went downstairs. Never went downstairs. Uh, totally a foreign concept. Then when I got married, Jen was like, "We're going downstairs." I'm like, "What?" For what? <laughs> that's awesome. Jeremy, how about you? Yeah, well, that's great. Well, I grew up in Phoenix, and we I, there were no tornado warnings or any warnings at all. I mean, it was like, you know, you had heat warnings, but there wasn't like these horns or sirens going off. And I remember I was at, you know, it's on a first Saturday noon, <laughs> and the tornado siren went off. And I yeah. was like, what? That's like a bomb raid siren. What is going on? I, and I didn't know anything about new whistles. So there we go. That was my first introduction. But while I was in Oatana, I, um, I met a guy uh, named Adam Taylor, who took me on a cross-country trip to coach basketball camps. And we were in Oklahoma. And in Oklahoma in the summer, so it's there's this thunderstorm and we're driving down the interstate and all of a sudden we see this funnel come down right like parallel to it and we were just driving right next to it and i'm just looking at it and he's from there so he's like oh yeah this happens all the time i'm like <laughs> it's right there he's like i will outrun it we're, we're good we're, we're ahead of it so that got me a little nervous uh, about tornadoes but ever since then, I'm like done. I, you know, the siren goes off here in the Midwest. I'm outside looking around, checking it out. I don't stay inside. I go outside. I want to. I want to see the mess outside. And then when it starts raining, we come back in. But um, never been in a hurricane. I'll tell you the thing that scared me most, though, which was not on your list, is a is a volcano eruption. I was in Nicaragua. Okay, I'm in Nicaragua. And I'm at this ABWE missionary base and about 20 miles to the north of us is a mountain that started smoking the second day we got there. And the missionary's like, I'm, hmm, I'm done. That, that doesn't usually happen, but they've told us if that does blow up, we got about 10 minutes and then that's about it. So like, really? Uh, so anyway, that that got my attention more than anything. And there's no sirens or warnings. It's just like there's smoke coming out of the mountain. So you you might you know want to prepare. So anyway, that's wow. Me. Yeah, that's 
That's amazing, boy. And so it did not go off. I mean, it did no. not erupt when you were there. Just apparently, looking. apparently, it just does this from time to time. It was a vent that was just letting off some steam, and then there was there was an actual volcano that we went to that you could actually see, and then part of the volcano was you know you could see the red you know turbulence of it down there, and it was. Uh, relatively safe i guess i mean it was an experience I, i'll never forget it sulfur smell wow it was it was heavy in the atmosphere hard to breathe wow. but worthwhile looking at the uh the earth kind of and what it looks like from the molten side of it i i couldn't pass that up i had to do it and amber wasn't with me so i could say yes and she didn't you know she had no idea so there we go <laughs> that's it that's it yeah, I've got I've got three events. One was I, I was a boy. We were we were living in a townhome in Brooklyn Park, and we had some family over, and uh, we had a big picture window, and it was looking off. I think to the as I as I recall, looking off to like the northeast. Um, I believe it. I believe it was. And there were some there were some thunderstorms and like tornado watch. And I saw a tornado. I, I actually saw one come down. Now it wasn't a big one. I think it was like an F one. But I said I, I said that, and I must have been like five, six or seven, somewhere around there, uh, really young. And I said, guys, there's a tornado. And they all kind of, no, Matt, Matt, quiet, (laughs) quiet. And they went back. I was like, no, guys, there's a tornado. And they turned around and looked at Oh, I still remember that as a little boy looking out and seeing it It was white. It was not a big one, but it was an actual tornado. And I remember we drove by and and saw some trees down after that. Thankfully didn't do a lot of damage. Uh, The next one, we were up at camp team. And uh, I remember me and my, my buddy, Zach were, were on like, it was like, like, we're doing serve team. So that was when high schoolers did like the fifth and sixth grade camp. And uh, we had, and this was just into Wisconsin and it had a massive tornado warning and the, 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 the sky started turning like green and Greg James, who was the head of the head of camp Clearwater's told us, Hey, I need you guys go down to the barn and get some barrels. They were concerned if like one of the gas tank ruptured that we would try to contain that. And so, and so, man, my adrenaline was pumping. So we jumped, I think in like the van or the truck and went down to the, the, the barn, which was probably a good half mile from like the, where, where you would, you know, the, the main lodge area. And I remember we got the barrels and came back up. Now, thankfully no tornado was there, but man, the sky was the greenest I'd, I'd ever seen it. So there was probably one around or it was close. I, I remember that. And then as a family, we were driving down to Georgia. We we're in Georgia, actually going to see Justin and Alyssa. This was many years ago, probably 15 14 years ago and uh i think some straight line winds came through as we were driving and there was trees falling on the highway and stuff like that and it was it was a bit crazy there too but we didn't you know, when you're in a car you don't really know what's going on you couldn't hear anything on the highway you're probably not sirens around but we'd come to find out some straight line winds came through where we were driving and thankfully we didn't get hit, hit by a tree limb or something but yeah it's uh certainly wild the, the uh the ferocity of wind and and water can uh, certainly wreak some damage so uh, interesting, interesting times. Pray, prayers for those in uh, Hurricane Ida's wake uh, right now in their path. All righty. Well, we're going to turn it over to the main topic. Uh, Jeremy's going to going to get us kicked off. Well, gentlemen, it was 2001 September when I remember my first, very first teaching assignment, my year. And I was in a classroom and I was teaching uh, a group full of kids who I think were there for, excited to learn. And uh, I remember having, you know, my, my classroom set up and everybody was doing their work. And um, it was probably, oh, I don't know. Um, it was it was an interruption that I, I wasn't expecting, but an interruption happened where 
um, a pastor from our church came in and he, he just kind of motioned to me and said, Hey, I, I, I need you. And so I kind of quit what I was doing at my desk. I got up and I walked out, we walked in the hallway and he said, I, I don't know if you're going to believe this, but um, we've just been, we've just been hit um, from the terrorist group and the, uh, the twin towers are uh, basically on fire and, and they're, they've exploded them. And I thought, what, what, it just didn't register with me. And so I kind of, I, I sat there for a second. I thought, man, that's, that's really bad. I remember we prayed quick and I just, I just kind of did a quaint prayer, pray for those people. And, you know, I, I, I kind of wanted to just return to my classroom. I, I know bad things happen. And sometimes if you're not right there and you don't have anybody who's part of that, it just really doesn't, you know, affect you too much. And then about um, 20 minutes later, I was online at that point and I was looking at a couple of things. And then I actually had a radio back in that day. I turned the radio on to the, uh, to the news and it was just like morbid. Like I could hear the tone of the announcers and everybody was just like, it, it was something I'd never experienced in my, in my life. Right. And so I turned the TV on. And uh, we were able to, to uh, adjust the bunny ears that we had in my classroom. And we actually got the signal of uh, Green Bay Station. And all, all I saw was, was the towers and, and the fact that one had, um, ha- had that plane fly into it. And then the second one and the carnage that was taking place. And then gravity really hit. And I was like, we're at war. I mean, this is, this is nothing but war. This is, a, this is more than just an attack to say, hey, we're here as the Taliban, or hey, we're here as Al-Qaeda, or hey, we are, you know, we want to be recognized. It was like, we are going after the West, and we're specifically going after Americans. And I remember being very ticked at that group of people, and very heartsick for the people that were dying or had died. And I remember that night, when President Bush got on uh, TV and address the nation. And I don't think I have ever had goosebumps and just this, this feeling and sense of pride as an American, as when he got done with his speech and basically said to everybody in the world, specifically to those who were responsible, that they would not see the light of day. We were going to come after them with everything we had. And we went and we ended up invading Afghanistan, trying to get Osama bin Laden and all of the leadership there. And we have existed there for 20 years. And of the last week or so, and really it's been a little bit longer than that, um, even look at the, the past presidents who have wanted to kind of finalize that war there and try to pull troops out. There's been some questions. Do we win? How? What's the what's the strategic move here? Do we keep our troops at least an airbase there so that we can have access to Russia, to China, some other places that are really strategically, geostrategically placed where we need to get at those places? What what is the right thing? And I'm I know that administration from administration, president change to president change. There's been a policy or a doctrine that has kind of ensued because of all of these things. And then we're here today looking at what has happened. 
I don't think you can look at what's happened over the last couple of weeks and say that this is anything but an absolute devastating atrocity. It is hell. And some of these people who are going through it right now, including Americans, this could have been avoided, at least in a mass carnage situation or a mad rush to get out of this uh, place, this country. So tonight we're going to look at and we're going to discuss a little bit, maybe from the past of 9-11 to the present of what's going on here. And we're just going to kind of look and talk about all of these things. And I have to admit, there is probably more anger right now that I, emotionally that I'm going through. As, as you, you know, as you go through these traumas and you watch this thing happen, I'm not done with being ticked. I'm not done with being angry because if I put myself in, in those people's shoes or an American shoes or an American soldier shoes over there, I'm not, I'm not happy at all. I, I just, I, I can't see how the way that this, this has gone down has been America's uh, best foot forward or America first, if you want to use that line. So let's evaluate. Let's look. Let's talk about these things. And uh, I'm going to throw it over to Ryan to start off with. And then we'll go to Matt and Don. And uh, what are your thoughts about this, this Afghanistan debacle? Note as the 20-year war here. Bush brought us in. Biden take us out. What do you got? Yeah, I think... As time has gone on, my, my shifting on this has, has changed um, just to some degree. Like you said, Jeremy, with, with President Bush, uh, I mean, I really appreciated his leadership after. I mean, there, there was so much. Those were good days, weren't they? I mean, do you remember sure. all, the, all the ribbons on the fences and the yellow oh, ribbons? Yeah. And everybody putting stuff up and the, the, the whole U.S. just coming together and being like, well, yeah. We, I mean, that was 21. 20- 20 years ago I, i'm i'm yeah. not clear, clearly what happened was a terrible tragedy but the unity that we had and love for country uh just 20 years ago you look at us today and wow it's it's almost like a generation or two has passed um in terms of national unity which is just terrible but i, I digress i i think you know you've got you've got differing voices and it you know this isn't a, a party issue there are folks at both parties who have different feelings on what the right approach should be. And I, I think where we stumbled um, in our approach to what should be done, we were certainly right and justified to go look for terrorists, namely bin Laden, uh, who apparently wasn't there in the end, <laughs> but uh, he may have spent time there. And certainly there were some cells that were training there. Um, I think our job should have just been to clear out and stay nearby and just keep an eye on things the best that we could. Uh, we, we've we've seen this in Iraq too. We we like the idea of bringing a democracy and freedom to other countries because we have thrived on it. We've enjoyed it for 250 some years, um, but it just it doesn't work. And we the the risk, of course, is having so many soldiers stationed there and harm coming their way. And what what's what's the point? Uh, if if the people there don't want it. Um, we're not, we're not in a dynasty building situation. We're, we're not a communist country. Our job isn't to take over lands. We can encourage them with things, but I, th- I think we were just not focused enough on what our job is, do the job specifically, and then get out of there. And so, and the, the longer you're there, the more time and treasure you're investing. You've got a financial treasure. You've got soldiers lives. Uh, you can look back and say they give their lives. And if we just up and leave, that's for nothing. So all these different components keep adding up to build the rationale why we should stay there. So 
I'm probably a bit where I was like, yeah, let's go in, stay and make sure nothing comes out of these places. I'm a little bit more of a, of an isolationist at this point. Um, but, but I know there are a lot of interests in Washington, DC that uh, really want war and they, 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 they feast off of war. That's how they get paid. So um, I, I'm just saddened by what I've seen this past week. I feel like you said, Jeremy, my heart goes out to these families that have lost these loved ones and, um, and we need to be praying for them. And ho- hopefully uh, we don't see any more of this in the days ahead. Uh, Tuesday's a big day. That's, that's the deadline. We said we're, we're going to be out. Um, and I, I, it sounds like we killed some terrorists today who are on their way to uh, blow up a few more uh, areas, a few more bombs. So thankfully that was, that was stopped. All right, Matt. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think, I think you, you said it well, Jeremy, um, it was an act of war back then. And it was such a, a unique feeling I'd never felt before. I don't, I think it was like, you don't even know where to turn, right? You're, I think everybody's looking at each other and, you know, we had heard about world war one and world war two, but it was like, man, is this going to launch us into something bigger? And I think wars now are, are maybe a, a bit different. Who knows? I got, you know, hope that we never have to get into like a world war three type thing. Um, but yeah, just remember that time and saying, okay, once we figured out who it was or where this where this group came from, and I can't remember if they took responsibility or we were able to find out with our intelligence. But yeah, we we went in and we absolutely got a foothold and we we said, okay, let's drive them back. Let's figure it out. And ultimately, it took about 10 years to get the mastermind behind it. I think they got him in Pakistan in 2011. But, you know, I think you know, one of the great things about America is it's got, it does have a heart. And when we go in and we see the plight of nations that are not run with a democracy, with a love for all, with a a respect for, for men and for women, um, I think it's hard for like, even probably even the generals or even the politicians to turn a blind eye to that. So as easy and as right as the, you know, the decision might be to be like isolationists, okay, we're just going to take care of our interests. You know, I, I don't know. I think I think America's you know, you know founding on Christian principles and just who we are in, in, in caring for each other uh, probably led us to feel like, wow, look at the plight of the children here. Look at the plight of the women. Look at the can we bring this in and can we help, you know, help help make it a better place? And I think probably there is probably testimonies from thousands, maybe tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands, who knows, maybe millions of people whose lives are better because we were there. But again, at what cost? And can we just do that forever? And why not in every in every nation? And I think it, it that's where the challenge of government. We talked about you know the weight that a president uh, bears. It's just amazing, like all these decisions. And you could probably have great arguments on either side. How do you decide? But I think the thing that was most frustrating is um, you know our exit from Afghanistan. I don't think needed to be whole. I think we should have, to Ryan's point, kept a contingency there to keep them at bay the Taliban in charge is not great. Um, but just, just the fact that it was done in such a horrific way to trap so many and, and bring so much chaos and allow the Taliban to take over what a matter of 11 days. Like when I think some of the intelligence was saying, well, they won't be there till like late fall. Like what happened there? You know, people are always the January 6th commission, forget that. Like, are you serious? Yeah. The guy with horns on, you know, jumping on a desk and we want to freak out about that, but we got this, like there should be absolute commissions and investigations how in the world uh did biden either not understand what was going on but you know obviously information feeding up to him too as well like if he just completely ignored it then that's on him but like how are these generals deciding 
that this is the right way to do it. It just, I mean, it seemed, it seemed so obvious that, you know, we should have done a, a very clear evacuation early on. And I know that the state department sent said, Hey, get out, get out, get out. But you've got to be like very intentional with that. you got to go get your people. Hey, we're coming out. And if we're going to pull out, we're going to make, not give you any collateral to, 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 you know, hold on to, or, or give us uh you know, to attack while we're, you know, while we're coming out, it just, it, it's just, it's Jeremy, it's infuriating. Uh, it, it is it's really sad. It is. Don, your thoughts. But yeah, uh, 9-11 was a defining moment, you know, obviously in all of our lives and will always be a defining, you know, time. We'll remember it. We'll remember the day. We'll remember everything that we felt, how we felt, you know, what we felt, the pictures and images on the screen, the, the yes. announcers, everything is just burned into our memory. And what I find ironic, for lack of a better word, is that we didn't know who the real, we didn't really know much about the enemy mm-hmm. uh, uh, after September 11th, right? I mean, we were like, okay, what is, what ISIS or Al-Qaeda or, or, or Taliban? What who, what are these words? Muslim extremism and all this stuff. We just were like, what is going on? What is this? And in 20 years, we still don't seem to understand the enemy. We don't want to read what their their beliefs are they we don't we just want them to come under our umbrella of democracy and be like us in our woke white privilege culture and and everything that comes with it you know i'm it's 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 infuriating to me to think that our government was in negotiations with the taliban and that goes back to the trump administration as well right Right. Um, mm-hmm. What 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 were they thinking? And you know, when I was when I was looking into you know what, how this fell apart so fast, um, let's give get some perspective. Uh, the Trump administration, yeah, they did ne- negotiate with the Taliban. They also told they were also saying that um, they had to go to the table, the Taliban with the Afghan uh, government, come to a come to a peace agreement, and then go from there. Now, under the terms of the agreement that the Trump administration did do with the Taliban, um, none of this would have happened because obviously there would not have been a peace agreement established because you just can't negotiate with terrorism. You can't negotiate with them. And I think they knew that. And so the original date for the Trump administration was May, May 1. And so this idea or this lie that's being filtered out and peddled out by the administration that he inherited this mess, that he inherited this deal that uh, Biden, or I'm sorry, that President Trump had negotiated with the Taliban is a complete falsehood. And please do not believe any of it. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Trump was, was, you know, he was perfectly clear and and correct in every all of his uh, policies especially or could reco- even control all of them right I mean, right exactly but he at least had a plan in place and when the Biden administration came in on January 20th that all went out the window they didn't care for it what Biden saw was an opportunity to get uh to have a have a hero of the day on September 11th by saying he was withdrawing all the troops 
on September 11th, the 20-year war is over. That was the original plan for Biden to withdraw the troops. The this this August 31st, this that that was a date they negotiated with the Taliban, if I'm not mistaken. You know, this is not something that Biden is coming up with. He's like, he's he's completely completely off base and in a in in the clouds uh, when it comes to this these matters. And this is why foreign policy makes a different in e- difference in each and every one of our lives, because this is why it's important. Because we're seeing now the the demise, the humanitarian crisis that is happening, um, horror stories coming out of Afghanistan of fathers shooting their daughters. So they do not come under the rule of the Taliban and our, and our, our, I mean, it's just, it's, it's just excruciating. And to think that these military advisors, because mind you, the Trump administration had included to um, hold on to the Bagram, uh, the Bagram airfield, as a point of, of strategic combat. I mean, that's where there's, that's where they were going to leave their operations. They still had uh, prisoners from Al Qaeda and other terrorist organizations held up there. But as soon as they, you know, they, the, the Bagram airfield was turned over to the Taliban, they of course locked the doors, baby, unlocked the doors and they've got millions, hundreds of terrorists roaming now. That wasn't going to be the case if if Trump was still in 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 the presidency. That plan was he was <laughs> to be honest with you that I, I I often wonder if they were setting up the President Trump was setting up the Afghan government uh, to get rid of the president um, Gahani, I think his name is. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think they liked him. I think they were trying to uh, groom somebody else. Um, but uh, the tal but but to have a, a Taliban and a an Afghanistan government. Um, it just seems like like a pipe dream, and I don't see it ever about coming to to fruition. But that would have meant that there would still been a, a, a about eight hundred to a thousand troops left in Afghanistan to be able to combat the terrorist threats and somewhat protect the Afghani Afghani people there. So this whole idea notion that. Biden inherited this mess from the Trump administration is, is, is complete garbage. And it just makes me sad that, that what we've seen in the last week and a half is, is, has just come. I was at a men's conference last week and um, one of the gentlemen I spoke to was a, uh, uh, was a, was a vet and he had just come off his tour, um, moved to Minnesota with his family the rage and fire in that man's eyes was undistinguishable. It was just, I'll never forget that because he was ticked. He was like, they left so many people behind. All my friends died for what? For nothing. You know, and I was just shaking my head and I, and I came up with, you know, I just told him, I was like, you know, your, your friends, you, you didn't let us down. Our government let us down and uh, our government let you down. So don't think that, you know, this is on you guys. And it's just a sad day to think that we have generals <laughs> and leaders and lieutenants and administration pulling the, pulling the, the strings on these things. And we're just shaking our head left, wondering who's really in charge. Why is this all happening? So it was a, it's a tough week. 
Yeah. And, and one thought too, Don, like the administration, you know, Biden administration saying that while the Trump had this thing, we couldn't do anything. It's so disingenuous because on January 20th, how many executive orders were written to overturn everything? Right. And the fact that now he's playing victim to what the Trump administration did in that is foolishness, right? If, if he would just come and say, hey, the buck stops with me. Once I took over, I'm in control of stuff, but not. He says the buck stops with me, but. And that's that's what's frustrating. That's the lack of leadership. Um, and that's what's going to continue and, and hopefully not spiral into something crazier. But I, I don't have any confidence with foreign policy for the next three and a half years. It's a very scary time. Yeah, I, for, for me, I, you know, I mentioned I'm, I'm still kind of in this angry phase. And I, I, I hope that goes away from my heart quickly because I don't, I don't like what, what that does to me inside. I'm not typically just kind of like, I, I don't enjoy, you know, being angry no matter what. But part of, part of what has spurred some of that on, Don, is exactly what you said. I have students who have spent years in Afghanistan, and they're, they're just putting their hands up going, what, what just happened? There are kids that play risk as a board game that can strategically have done better job holding on to parts of the country without letting everybody just attack and the air base there in my estimation fine Mm -hmm. let's let's keep that and let's keep as minimal troops there as possible but for goodness sake if the cia is out of there and we have no intelligence whatsoever and we as an american you know nation and our president has to be in contact with the taliban constantly telling them Hey, don't, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. Remember what we talked about. Don't do that. Mm-hmm. Remember what we talked about. And you know that there is shovel loads of cash going underneath the table so that the, the administration and the whole military right now doesn't really look like an absolute disaster so that we can somehow get those Americans to that airport and out of there you know that there's being deals cut right now with the Taliban, and they are requiring more and more and more of our stuff. That's what the terrorists do. And if they got you in that mode, they are winning. And what our president did is stood up there and said some things about Afghanistan and the buck stops here and then put his head in his hands and has had some of those defeating moments and poses I I don't identify as an American like that. And it's not just because I'm an American. It's because I want wrong to be out of here and we are going to eradicate evil. Part of the problem with our world is we'll, not, we'll never be able to undo all the evil in the world. But if, if my daughters and my wife are going to become sex slaves of the whole, whole scenario, the, the Taliban and all the ridiculousness that they would they would uh, see as their rights and all these things. God, I don't know. I mean, I would hate to think about what I would do to try and keep my kids safe. Short of laying my life down, I would do that gladly. But then, then what, you know, they, they, they have their way with them. I can't, I can't imagine that the Afghani Christians, the Afghani pastors. And here's, here's the, the biggest thing that I've taken away this week was this. And I don't even remember where it came from, who said it, or if I read it somewhere. 
but they, they were talking about the fact that, you know, we're trying to get all these Afghanis out of there. And, and, and the question was asked, why? And the answer came back. And I thought, that's exactly right. They said, we've Westernized the Afghan people. They're Westernized. They got a taste of freedom. They got a taste of how America do, does things. They got a taste of what it's like to live in, in non-oppression. And they saw it in our military. They saw it in the leadership that was there. And now they're willing to cling on to an aircraft wing or a, a wheel just to try and get off that air base. And they will risk their lives. They will be run over. They will fall off those aircraft because they know that getting out of there is so much better than what's coming in. And it is going to stay for a long time. Ironically, to use Don's word, we're going to have to go back. We're going to have to, with, through the UN or some other ally group, we're going to have to go back. And what it might cost us is an attack on our U.S. soil again. And you don't think that these people are going to just say, you 9-11, we hit those two buildings. But the NFL looks pretty nice to me. Let's hit one of those stadiums, baby. Let's really make a mark. What, 90,000 people cloud into a college stadium? COVID, nothing. Let's make it so clear that we hate Westerners. We hate America. We hate God. We're going to take them out. I think we just opened the door. We needed the airfield. We did not need to give them Apache helicopters, 20,000 live grenades, and the whole gamut of weaponry, including night vision, so that and uniforms, so that we can go over and we think that's an American soldier, but it's an Afghani shooting our American soldier because we thought maybe friendly fire wouldn't be too good. We're in such a pinned position there. There's nothing good that's going to come out of that. And only God is going to allow the people out that he lets out. And what our special forces go and do right now is going to be absolutely amazing. And I just want to give a shout out to other nations, by the way, who actually stepped up and did some of the work for the U.S. and led in such a way and, you know, got some of our U.S. and some of our uh, actual um, uh, diplomats, not diplomats, but people who were, you know, very close to the, the Afghani people out. They, they, they led that in that charge. That should have been us. It wasn't. So we better learn a lesson and we better never let this happen again. But I think we said that once upon a time, didn't we? Never forget. Somehow, I think we did. And it just is irritating the fire out of me. So instead of being angry, we got to pray. And we do. We've got to pray fervently for these men and women and children and uh, our soldiers and everybody who uh, needs to get out of there so that we can. Yeah. And by the way, we've got Afghanis now in Wisconsin. They're about two hours away, and it's uh, it's interesting. Um, we'll see what uh, we'll see what happens there. But they're in uh, they're in Fort McCoy, Wisconsin, and I know they're going to air base or uh, bases all over the United States, and they're just going to continue to filter in. And um, welcome to the U.S. Except hopefully your life. Uh, doesn't have to be, you know, written in the, the history of this mess, but can flourish in uh, mm. the United States of America. So for those who are here for the right reasons, welcome. If you're a terrorist and you're in that group, know this. 
you come anywhere close to hurting an American, I will be first in line to join our forces. And I don't care how old I am or how slow I am. I will go after you just like any soldier would with a direct vision and mission to take out the enemy. I'm coming for you. Jeremy, I, I don't know what you're worried about. We got the TSA watching us. We got the Border Patrol watching us. We're, we're good, man. Yeah, yeah all doing a great, yeah, all doing all, a great they're all, they're all doing a great job. I see. I see nothing. <laughs> what are you in? <laughs> Colonel Clint doing? Wow, that, that, that was well said, Jeremy. That's a great, great finish on that topic, man. That was good. All right, Ryan. Can turn it over to you for a call in your shot. We haven't had one of these in a while, hey? Yeah, it's been a while. It's been a while, but we are uh, approaching one of our uh, favorite times of the year. Uh, I don't want to speak for everyone in this group. I feel like Don has kind of uh, mentioned in times gone by, he is not that much of a football fan these days. But typically, a lot of folks around these parts are pretty excited about the start of the football season. And so most of us are Vikings fans by, by nature. And I thought it would be good to make our predictions here uh, for the upcoming season. We, we know Matt is going to be shooting for the moon once again with his prediction. So uh, why, why not start with, with probably the, the most optimistic prediction, Matt? What do, you, what do you have for the Vikes in terms of a, of a record this year? Uh, I'm going to go 12 and 4. 12 and 4. Yeah, it, and again, it could, it could be 16 and 0, but I'll, let's, I'll be a conservative. We'll go 12 and 4. Offense has got me a little bit worried, but uh, our defense is going to be – it's going to be hangry. Every game we're going to be hangry. We're going we to do some chomping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think you're right. They will be improved this year, the defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The line especially. You know, hopefully the linebackers – I think what – is Anthony Barr back yet? Or is he – he might miss week one or two. So I think linebacker core might be a hair week to start uh to start off the season but um you know our cornerbacks got significantly better our line got demonstratively better um uh, it's it's going to be exciting if that if that defense gels i i that could be that could be you remember the baltimore ravens uh super bowl um that that dominating defense if they can come together and stay healthy i, I think they can be uh very very formidable Wait, wait, wait. Right. So it, hold up, hold up, hold it, up, hold up, hold up. Is it there? Uh, aren't we uh, under a seventeen-game schedule now? That's what yeah, I. That's what I was going to ask. So, oh man, I, yeah, you're you're right. You're right. Thirteen and four. <laughs> already already had it changed for you. Yeah, good call. Good call, Don. <laughs> I was going to go with the tie. I don't know. I thought I'd be throwing a tie. No, I think I was going to say just let him let him leave that. And if he if he doesn't play that last game, he's DQ'd, so he's not even in the challenge. I was just going to let COVID will hit. We'll miss a game. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. <laughs> well, true. Hey, and one more thing: was it Matt? Was it you? Or was it Ben that was saying something about like odd years or something that they, yeah. the yep, Vikings yeah. played better? Was it? No, that's that's what it is. Since Zimmer's come. The odd years, I believe we've made the playoffs okay. every year, and the even years we've not made the playoffs. So very, okay. very weird. Um, but uh, this is an odd year, twenty twenty one, boys. Okay, math I, math is simple. Chalk it up. Yeah, math is math is simple. We'll have to maybe in a few weeks uh, just make some Super Bowl predictions too, and you can you can elevate and escalate your predictions with the Vikings at that point. So, all right, thanks, Matt. How about you, Don? What do you got for the old Vikings? Well, I think, yeah, since this is an odd year, I think I'm going to say nine and eight. 
dice. Nine and eight. Uh, that is if uh, if uh, our boy Captain Kirk can uh, can can stay off the uh, COVID list. So you got that's all done in the preseason. We, we, we took care of that. <laughs> so is that nine and eight and making the playoffs and doing well? I don't know if that it might. Yeah, that should probably make. Or is the playoffs, that nine right? and eight? Nine and eight, and they're going to have to, uh, you know. Well, yeah, they're not going to win anything in the playoffs. They'll they'll get bounced the first week of the playoffs. Is, is there expansion of playoffs this year? No, I don't think so. It's, is it the same as it was? So we just added a game, but there's no. Yeah, we dropped a preseason there? and then we added a game. Yeah, all right. Yeah, I don't. I don't recall. I I know they've been in the mood to change a bunch of stuff since COVID hit, especially. By the sports, way, but... who who likes that? Who likes the seventeenth game? No, I, I don't like it at all. No. I like the 16th. Just play 16th. Yeah, 16th for the if records anything, and drop, all that stuff. Drop a right. preseason game, but yeah. why, why are yeah. we? Money. All about the all is about the really Benjamins. Really all about is I guess we got to make, yeah. We got to make be a reason for the time from last year. <laughs> little AVB kicking. I got some <laughs> truth, man. Uh, it's good. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. That was, that was a blessing to hear. Jeremy? What do you got? Yeah, ten and ten and seven. Ten and seven. I was right. a little I was one game up more optimistic than done. Okay. Ten and seven. So we got ten and seven, nine and eight, thirteen being, and four. I got a question for Jeremy. Being in Scani, um, yeah, Scani. what what is the what is the record gonna be against the pack? The two games against the pack. What do you think? You bet you betcha. We're uh we're he uh gonna we're we're probably here in the Green Bay area. Uh, we're going to go two and zero against them. <laughs> oh dear Lord! Yeah, and and here's another thing. Okay, you think I'm crazy? I really don't. I mean, Green Bay, whatever. I you know, it's 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 everybody worships Green Bay Packers here, but I do think because Aaron Rodgers is on his way out next year, they will win the Super Bowl this year. <laughs> really, you're calling the yep. Packers are going to win the Super Bowl this year? Yep. And I know it's not part of calling our shot, but already chalk me down when we do it. Not a chance. They've had two 13 and three seasons. They are, they are going to fall yep. flat. They're going to fall and flat. Aaron Rodgers is out. He's going to make, he's going to, it's going to be unbelievable because people are ticked about him. And then he's going to, it's going to, it's, I know it's backwards, but it's going to happen. You're saying green Bay is going to go two and zero against the Vikings, right? Two and zero against the Vikings. They're going to play unbelievable. They're going to win the stinking NFL Super Bowl. All right, good. Okay, well, I'm going to go – I'm going to split the difference between Don and Jeremy. I'm going to go 9, 7, and 1 for the Vikings. Nine, who are, seven, who are they tying? Who's the tie? Um, who's the tie? I'm going to say the Packers in Minneapolis. Oh, terrible. Oh, I hate ties. So <laughs> stupid. Have like a field goal kickoff at the end, something. Like do not end in a tie. Right. You don't play an athletic contest to tie. That is right. dumb. That's the yeah. stupidest thing. So, yeah, I, I'd, I'd like to be a little bit more optimistic and even go somewhere between Jeremy and Matt, but I just I just can't do it. I, I should. I think our line will be better, but I love Kirk Cousins as a character, but uh, I just don't have a lot of faith in his ability to take us far. All he's got to do is hand the ball off to D.C. we got the D.C. comic in the backfield, no and that boy's going to fly through the defense. Like butter, guy is like a knife through butter. Yeah, if he stays healthy, that's again. I'm right. hinging a lot on health, but he is um, 
amazing. <laughs> Just like the twins. Yeah, we're good. Yeah, <laughs> pitching. I missed that one. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, well, hey, it's really not your fault, Buxton. He would have been nice if he could have played oh, a little bit goodness. this year, too, right? He's and back. Our, He's back. He's yeah. back. Yeah, we're, we're actually winning games now. We're actually yeah, you know, winning funny. series against winning teams. It's just, it's wild. Amazing did they, how that worked. Did they win today? Did they sweep no. the, the Brewers? No, they didn't. Oh, they no. Didn't. Okay. no, still two out of three. Yeah. So, so. Okay. Well, that's calling your shot. We'll uh, come back with some uh, Super Bowl playoff predictions maybe in the next few weeks. So we'll turn it over to Don with uh, trivia now. Yeah, I hear you, Shafe. I hear you. All right. I am uh, I'm about to either lose my mind or curse you all. I don't know which one it is. <laughs> all right, boys, here we go. You guys, but you you two clowns over on my left-hand screens better have show up today because there's no excuse for you. Reach. <laughs> This is so stupid. I hate it already. I'm with Jeremy. Guys, listen, it wasn't that long ago. It was like Jeremy and me in the playoffs for one one week. And then Matt and I were in the playoffs. I don't know what's happened in the last few weeks. You can do it. I've got got faith in you. Inquiring minds want to know. That's for sure. Not sure if I'm one of them, but. All right. Tonight's tonight's initials are C. C. Oh boy. Oh, here we go. Here we go. All right. CC. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Close circuit to DG. This yeah. sucks already. <laughs> Look at him. Oh, He's on fire already. He's already putting CC words to the closed circuit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's, or, uh, oh, He's tuned in. I like it. Matt, good start. Uh, what about Matt? What about your common courtesy? Common courtesy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> write that one down too. That's number one. It's my it's my answer. One zero. Oh boy. All right, here we go. Item number oh. one. Item number one. Clue number one. Depicted as mostly blue and gray. Clue number two. Connected to a school tax, income tax, and life insurance. Jeremy. Please, Jeremy, please get it. Go ahead, sir. Child credit? I'm sorry, that is incorrect. Mm. All right. All right. Clue number three. This can advance you. Clue number four. Connected to a beauty contest prize. Hold on a sec. Chambers. Okay. Clue number five. Included a bank error in your favor. Matt. Go ahead, sir. Yes. 
Yes, community chest. That is correct. Oh, holla at your boy. <laughs> yes. Hmm. I decided I'm going with the first thing. If I hear a clue, I'm just going to go. Do it doesn't it. matter. I like it. Yep, aggressive, Matt. Jeremy. We're going to well right. That's right. Right. That's it. Ryan's going to be aggressive. It's a crazy start to it, but we're okay. It's good. It's good. Good match. I think we're in it. <laughs> Ryan just went to open the file that Don sent him earlier, so now he's going to his house. Yeah, to no, Saul. no, Jeremy, we're we're in his head. We're in his head now. Let's, let's keep it like we're aggressive. We're we're, we're playing. We're, we're attack mode. Let's go. Let's item go. item number two. Clue number one. Connected to a 1987 controversy involving the Star of David. Clue number two. Debuted in 1971. Clue number three. His first name is Alfred. Clue number four. Most often seen during autumn mornings. Clue number five, connected to the color of brown. Clue number six, marshmallows are found in this classic monster cereal. Ryan. Go ahead, sir. Count Chocula. That is correct. Count Chocula. Alfred? Alfred Chocula. That's apparently his first name. Wow. What's the Star of David controversy? Yeah, that's... Back in 1970, yeah, I vaguely remember this, but I do remember it. It was back in, yeah, that was the the day, what year was 1987. They put a a picture of the actual Dracula uh, coming up from behind of uh, Alfred Chocula. So, the real Count Dracula. And he had uh on him a medallion and uh, it was actually the star of david and so obviously the jewish uh interesting uh people took uh took uh did not like that too much didn't want to see a sure. blood-sucking uh blood-sucking man be associated with the jewish people so yeah yeah <laughs> understandable and, and, I, and admittedly i i was scooping out the uh uh, Sam's Club deals for September, and I did see they have that three pack of those cereals: uh, Blueberry, Frankenberry, Count Chocula, on sale for four ninety eight. Just a heads up there. Heads up. Thank you, sir. That's that's breaking news right here from Six in the Mix. Nice, nice work, Ryan. <laughs> All right, Ryan with one, Matt with one. Here we go. Item number three, clue number one was seen in the nineteen eighties. The gods must be crazy. Clue number two, Jimmy Dugan had one of these on the bus. Clue number three, Superman threw General Zod into this image. Clue number four, one of these startled E.T. in 1982. 
clue number five. Its iconic logo is red and white. Clue number six. Ryan. <laughs> Go ahead, Ryan. Andy Kane? Nope. Sorry, that is incorrect. Sweet. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, really. Yeah. Man, we're ticked. <laughs> yeah. Come on, Jeremy. We need you. Yeah, and I have no clues. Let's say, well, we got one more clue. Jer- or yeah. Don, read it slowly. All right, clue number six. During Christmas, the bears are often seen drinking this. The bears. The Christmas bears. <laughs> Stop the countdown. You're not. How long did I get? <laughs> Jeremy. Go ahead, Jeremy. Just going to go with Coco. <laughs> nope, sorry, that's it, Greg. <laughs> it was close enough. <sighs> that, that resets the clock. That resets the clock. Yeah, well, I you repeat that, Matt. I'm buying time. Can you, repeat that last, can you repeat that last clue, please? You just start out the music. Come on, man. <laughs> I'm going to take the Biden pose. Cue the music. We need silence. It's been an emotional week. Hold on. The Bears do this at Christmas. What Bears? The Berenstein Bears? The Chicago Bears? The uh, I don't know what Bears are for Christmas. I think it's the three lo- three Bears. <laughs> All right. I'll, I'll Coca Cola. Uh, Coca Cola. Oh, oh, the polar are. bears. God, got to be kidding me. Nice. <laughs> oh, that, isn't that three C's though? That's a little <laughs> deceiving. Coca Cola. No, oh, Coca. there's only two. <laughs> oh, okay, all right. That middle consonant got me. Stupid. All right, boys. Oh, uh, did you hear? Did you hear Coco? I said Cola Cola Coca Cola. Yeah, yeah. Run the tape back. I think Jeremy got it. (laughs) Oh, boy. All right. All right, here we go. Item number four. Clue number one. Was once played by Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. Clue number two. Connected to the spreading of smallpox. Clue number three, connected to the month of October. Clue number four, connected to the old world. Clue number six, or five, I'm sorry, clue number five, can, uh, Spent time on the Santa Maria. Brian. Matt. Oh. I'd have heard Matt. <laughs> yeah, that's what I heard <laughs> too. Um, I agree. 
Matt. Jared, Jeremy, what would you hear? <laughs> oh, Matt, clearly. Uh, <laughs> 3v1. All right, Ryan, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> Christopher Columbus. That is correct. What what was his role with uh, smallpox? Are they saying that he brought it over? Yeah, didn't they have an infestation of smallpox on the Santa Maria when it yeah, I don't, I don't recall that, but yeah. okay. All right. right, Ryan's with two, Matt with one. Here we go. Right. Item number five, clue number one. Connected to a pet named Murphy since 1945. Clue number two. Appeared in Back to the Future 2. Clue number three was featured in the documentary Catching Hell. Clue number four connected to Henry Rowengartner. <laughs> oh, that name rings a bell. Yeah. As did the two other previous clues. <laughs> Clue number five appeared in Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Clue number six where Red, white, and blue, and also connected to a Cubs fan named Steve Bartman. Matt. Go ahead, Matt. Chuck E. Cheese. No, that's incorrect. I even gave you the name in the clue. I thought I could get that by you. Wow. Steve Bartman. Steve. Ryan. Yeah. Chicago Cubs. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> no, you don't get that. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> time was up. I already. Yeah, yeah time was way, way up. Yeah, way what? up. Agree. I counted. What you three ten? You're done. Yep. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think if you would have just said Steve Bartman, I could have figured it out. But when you said was, Chicago, he, he's well, the one that caught the foul I know. ball over Marcus yeah. yeah. I know the story. Yeah. He's a Cubs fan. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He's the one that got all those death threats, right? Yeah. Because yeah. That was the, yeah. Guy uh, going to series that. That that yeah. happened, or uh, that, or it was the that. series before the World before taking us to the World Series. Okay, yeah. so I, yeah, it was I the National League pennant. Yeah, I didn't remember oh, the name. Man. I, I remember, remember I I watched that game and I remember that happening. I just remember feeling really bad for that guy because I'm like, that was not good because that was in Chicago. What it was yeah. in Chicago. Yeah, that guy had to go into witness protection. I think he he had a rough rough go of it for a couple of years. Ooh. Wow. Man. Uh, 
All right. Still in the game, Jeremy. We're still in the game, bud. All right. That's it. All right. Item number six. Clue number one. Appeared in Beavis and Butthead. Do America. Could you list more shows or movies or documentaries he, I've never watched? He's yeah, he's just doing all these movie things because I don't know any movies. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> connected <laughs> clue number two. Connected to Stanford University. Clue number three is an only child. Clue number four was part of the official U.S delegation at the 2000 Olympic Summer Games in Sydney. Clue number five was frequently seen at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. Brian. Go ahead, sir. Chelsea Clinton. That is correct. Wow. All right. All right. Down to Matt, right? Down to Matt, Matt. If you don't get this one, game it's over. Yep. Familiar territory. (laughs) (laughs) Go, let's do it. All right. Here we go. Item number seven, clue or six. Is that seven or six? I can't. Seven. 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 Item number seven, clue number one. was part of a 1984 Wham! song. A, a, a what song? Wham! The, the the group, you know, that... Uh, come on, that's a great group. <laughs> Clue number two. Mentioned in the Huey Lewis... You remember the Huey Lewis band, right? Huey, Huey Lewis. Lewis and the news song, The Power of Love. Clue number three. In the 1990 film uh, Richard Gere starred in, he quoted as saying, stores are never nice to people. They're nice to these. Clue number four. Connected to the slogans, priceless. Everywhere you want to Brian. be. Go ahead, Red. Credit card. That is correct. Oh, man. Brilliant. 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 It's amazing. It's just, it's just uh, always in anticipation. What will happen? They're in trivia. I've got no idea. Oh, GG, yeah. my brother's GG. <laughs> we need we need to bring well, I'll ben, give you ben, GG. Yeah. Yeah. We need Ben back, but we need to have some of these people who listen to us and have like, you know, one one, you know, one of your clues and they've got it. We we've gotta have we've gotta have somebody come on that can, you know, yeah, rival Ryan. Right. Yeah. What why not Chris Carter? Why not Circuit City? Why not Cotton Candy? Cotton why not? Candy like that, why not? I had that yeah, I had that right now. Right. Why not? 
Yeah. Oh, well, it's okay. It's all right. It's a good one. I had Charlie hey, Chaplin I did, down I too. did have this, which I don't think is actually CC. Is, is Karch Karai, that is Karch Karai a uh, CC name? When you said think, delegation I'm to Sydney, I'm pretty sure it's thinking, KK. Hey, maybe. Yeah. I think it's KK. Karch, he was what? way off. <laughs> how, Same how sound. Will, who, who was, how did Chelsea Clinton get in? She just part, I mean, she just represented the U.S. Was that Clinton's, uh, was when was Sydney? I forget when was Sydney. Was that ninety two? No, it? not ninety two. No, two thousand. Two thousand two. Yeah, what was it? Yeah, it was during. Okay, so they were pro- prominent, right? He was what governor at the time? Was he two thousand Olympics? Two thousand Olympics. Yep. He was, he, he was still president. He was still president. He was still president. Yeah, he was president. Hey, hey, and so, okay, yeah, he, he was he, before. Yeah, that's right. He was before uh, Bush, right? Good call. Right. So speaking of Clinton, I don't want to break into something else here, but what's going on with the uh, Lewinsky like bubbling up thing here happening? Is there some big show or something or some documentary that's hitting the fan? Yeah, I think I think so. It's uh, like a mini series, I think, is what I read. So okay, so it's yep. based on the story or what, or is it actually? Yeah, I think it's. I think it's on? focused on the scandal with uh, Bill and Monica. Yep. Huh. Or it's going to touch on it in a pretty, you know. I wonder if Chelsea's part of that delegation. <laughs> you don't think so? <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving probably- into fix. She's probably part of the fact checkers. Yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> I, I would sign on to that notion. Yes. And one more thing. How happy is um, Joe Biden's son right now that he's not in the spotlight? All of a sudden, his art and everything else just kind of boom, gone. Mm. Just like, thanks, Dad. Yeah, thanks for botching yeah, that one. Yeah, help, yeah, help me out a, a ton. Oh my goodness! Well, we've we've covered a number of things that uh, we need to pray about for sure, uh, and and we're going to move into that. We're actually going to take a look at uh, a passage, um, and, and and I think we picked this one just with all the things going on in the world. You know, whether it's the the Afghanistan crisis or the you know the the hurricanes or the the crisis at the border, you know, COVID nineteen seeming to come back up with his Delta variant. Uh, just a lot of things that are. Uh, cause for concern. And so we decided, let's take a look at Philippians 4, uh, verses 4 through 7. And uh, we're going to ask just a simple question. Uh, how does this passage um, help and encourage you to pray? And that's really the question we're going to ask. So I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and then we'll uh, go in the order of Don, Jeremy, Ryan, and Matt. I'm just kind of sharing uh, some thoughts on that. So Philippians 4, verses 4 through 7, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So um, starting with Don, just the question is, uh, how does this passage help and encourage you to pray? Well, I really... um... I really like those last two verses. I think it was with be anxious for nothing. And those are the, and then uh, the piece that passes all understanding, um, you know, um, struggle, struggling with anxiety. Um, I've been learning to live with it. And uh, that's, this is a verse that I try to, I have posted everywhere I can in on my phone, anywhere. And, um, and I also think it's relevant in today's term as terms as well 
Um, you know, and, and as we pray and as we pray for our nation, as we pray for peace, as we pray for um, unification, as we pray for all these things, you know, I think that um, in verse seven, it really hits home because, you know, as you know, we're, we're everybody is everybody in this world is searching for peace. We're searching for peace from something. It's it's and it's on the on the on the critical race theory stage. It's on the Afghanistan stage. It's everywhere, and and everybody is screaming and crying for some type of utopian peace that the world is searching, and it's it's not going to magically appear. You know, appear if we just just by happenstance to succumb to our white guilt or we realize that every law and every form of law and order is born out of racism. Um, but the Bible tells us that in that verse seven, it says that, that the peace that passes all surpasses all understanding can only be found through him. It is that peace that will guide our hearts and minds. And if we're not searching out that peace through our prayers if we're not asking for that, then we are going to be lost. We are going to be adrift. We are going to be that, that ship in the, in the night, just completely off course. And it, and, and it's the same piece that, uh, that unites um, all of us. It's the same piece that unites Jew and Gentile and Ephesians, Ephesians two, man, I love this chapter. Uh, and I've been looking at this chapter more and more. I love Ephesians two. And it talks about how the Jew and Gentile, unite and mankind cannot cast has been reconciled to god through the cross and by which you know he put to death our hostility ephesians 2 16 um you know and i and and with prayer i think we as a nation we as a country we as a community we as as christians need to center ourselves around prayer because that is only way we are going to be able to have that peace that passes all understanding and through that peace um it will unify and be the great reconciler uh that's that's some great feedback thanks for pointing our our eyes to even ephesians too that's a great chapter that's good jeremy well uh i have to say that this summer i just committed to what when i read scripture i've been trying to just not read just a, a small passage because um, I've done that most of my life, and I've tried in the New Testament particularly to read through the entire book uh, when, I'm, when I'm reading, and then kind of let the whole book sink in. And this summer, I let uh, Philippians and Ephesians, which by the way, Don, my, my son just told me that Ephesians 2 was his favorite passage today. He just told me that today. Wow. So, hey, that's, that, that's a win for, uh, for, for uh, my team there, but it's a great passage. But um, going back to Philippians, I can't help but think of the prayer Paul first gave this Philipp, uh, the Philippians and his affection for them. And I just want to I just want to put that to our listeners as well. He says in verse nine of chapter one, and this is my prayer that you may that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is the best. And may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ, the glory and praise of God. And if you put that and just kind of put a comma and go right to the end prayer that we're looking at here in Philippians 4, 
he gives some instructions. He gives some things that uh, the Philippians were struggling with. And he says, again, hey, imitate me. I'm, I'm walking the right way. Pay attention to that. He gives some encouragement to some young men or some men. And um, Paul ends with, you know, hey, follow my example. And then he, he comes up with this. So he's, he's kind of crescendoing. He's saying, look, all of the information that you need and the righteousness and the fruit of righteousness and the purity that you're searching for that cuts through all the garbage of today, no matter what it is, because in their life, they had the same stuff, not exactly how it's, you know, fleshing out in our day and age, but their minds and their hearts were just as confused because Satan's the author of confusion. And he says, look, you need discernment. You need to know what pure righteousness is and you need to know how to get there. And let me tell you, praying that your love and your growth in this area will be able to knife through to truth every single time. And I believe that's why we as believers can in chapter four, four rejoice always, because there is no other way. If you look at the earth right now and in the world, we can't, nobody can rejoice always. I mean, we can't even, we can't even laugh for a few minutes. I mean, we do here in the podcast and that's great, but I tell you what, I laugh more here than generally speaking the most of my week because the most of my week is struck putting out fires and doing other things. And it's just tough. But I know that in my heart of hearts, that if I am able to pursue righteousness, pursue Christ the way that I am supposed to with that direct link of prayer, I can rejoice always. I can have that fellowship with God. And that spills out to my relationships with mankind. So let me just encourage you that the two prayers that Paul gives in this book are highly important. Hmm. That's good. Another another great chapter and uh, just encouragement to get the whole uh, the whole tone and the whole purpose of the book in in what we're reading too. That's uh, that's really good. Ryan, how does this passage help and encourage you to pray? Yeah, I feel like I've kind of had a a cheat sheet for this because as Jeremy mentioned, looking at the whole context, is actually the book of Philippians is what our family we've been working our way through for the past uh, several weeks, and we just. We just got through this passage, actually. So uh, we've been looking at a, a booklet, um, just goes through the themes of Philippians. And it's been really, really great to see the focus on unity. And of course, as Paul here, you know, finishing up this letter to the Philippians closes out, <clears throat> he's uh, got some last minute pointers, right? He's talking about unity between Yodis and Syntyche at the start of the chapter. And then uh, he gets into some things that clearly matter to him. And Matt, when you read through the the passage, <laughs> What struck me, we were always told, hey, never use absolutes. But how many absolutes did you mention? Hmm. All, everything. I mean, I, I think I counted about four of them, uh, hmm. which, which covers the breadth of life uh, as things concern us. And so uh, when we hear this, this command, it's, it's not just advice. It's a command. Do not be anxious. Uh, I think we do live in a sin-sick world. And in a sin-sick world, I will posit that we are always going to have something to be anxious about. You, you, you turn on the news and it won't be 10 seconds before you're going to find something to have concerns over legitimately. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he says in everything, and here's one of those absolutes by prayer and supplication, bring to God. And so this covers all of life. And I like how he couches it with Thanksgiving. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm guilty of this where I, I just want to bring all my requests, you know, all my petitions to God, um, trying to be more mindful of, of bringing that Thanksgiving to him, recognizing what he's done, what he is doing, and certainly worthy of that. And so I, I think that's one of those phrases that could get easily overlooked. 
Um, but just, just an attitude of gratitude as we approach our father. Um, and then the last thing for me, just noticing the end result and Don alluded to this, this, this mind surpassing peace um, to alleviate, the, this is great, right? The first command that bounces off here in this section, don't be anxious, but then he gives us this mind surpassing peace, which will alleviate the same thing we're commanded not to do, which is mm. worry. And so I, I love that. I love that we don't just get, hey, here's a problem that you shouldn't do, but, but oh, by the way, here's a solution to that. Uh, you pray, you bring it to God, and he's going to bring you a mind surpassing peace. And <clears throat> remind me of another passage in 2 Corinthians 1, uh, 3 through 5. Uh, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. Uh, my previous pastor down in Kansas City, uh, I, I remember him saying this a couple of times, but it stuck with me in my head. Uh, so in this verse, verse 3, uh, we see he's the God who takes care of our sin problems as the father of mercies, and he's mm-hmm. the God that takes mm-hmm. care of our sorrow problem with the God of our all comfort. And so I'm mm-hmm. thankful. I'm thankful for that, and I'm thankful for this, this passage that uh, tells us where to go when we can get tripped up and, and concerned, and rightfully so, by, by the things of this world. Um, we're, we're no different. You know, Don talked about dealing with anxiety. Yeah, I, I think we turn on the news in my household and it is so easy to get concerned. Um, mm. And then what, what, what's our response? Well, hopefully it is what this, uh, this whole series is on, is, is to fix our eyes on the Lord and go to him. Yeah, certainly some great thoughts. Uh, I'll just kind of wrap it up with a couple, uh, a couple insights from my end. I, I think it's interesting that, that joy is commanded uh, in this passage and it's a, like a, like a double command, right? Rejoice in Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice, right? The, he's repeating, but then he, you know, he, he goes into explains why there is truly joy uh, in that. Cause we know that there's trouble in the world, right? Jesus said that in this world, you will have trouble, but rejoice again, that joy again, that Jesus said, I, I have overcome the world. But I think when you take a look at it and, and whether it's Ephesians or Philippians or any of the new Testament books, um, it's really talking about our joy is in knowing and trusting God. And I think that's his biggest appeal to us is, is a sons, daughters. I have this, I've had this from the beginning of the world. I have it now. I will have it in the future, despite what comes, uh, even though there's challenging times, even though there's loss, there's pain, there's death. Uh, there's not ultimate death if you know me. So our joy is in knowing and trusting God. And I think that takes a huge weight off of our shoulders, right? We have certainly responsibilities that he's given us, but uh, he has not abandoned us. He is, he lives within us. He empowers us. That resurrection power is, is at work in us, which is, which is just incredible. And, and I think you talked about, you know, Ryan, kind of some of those absolutes, the challenges in the word, everything, um, you know, in everything by prayer and supplication. So there's nothing too little, there's nothing too big and everything by prayer and supplication, bring your request to God. Um, and I think the, the, the thing that stands out to me in verse seven, it's something I've been really trying to work on too, uh, where it says he will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, that, you know, that, that image of that father, kind of Jeremy, as you were kind of being passionate about, I will protect my family. Like God protects us. He will guard our hearts he will guard our soul. He'll guard our mind uh, in Christ Jesus. And so the challenge, uh, the, the title of the section is, is fix your eyes, right? This is what we do in this, this podcast, because ultimately at the end of the day, we need to fix our eyes on, on Jesus. And, um, and and he promises he will guard our hearts and minds. And so I just like to close off this, uh, this section uh, or this, uh, this podcast 
um, by reading through actually my wife's favorite hymn. Casey's favorite hymn is What a Friend We Have in Jesus. And I think it certainly fits with what's going on and it fits with this passage. So uh, what a friend we have in Jesus, all our sins and griefs to bear. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Have we trials and temptations? Is there trouble anywhere? We should never be discouraged. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Can we find a friend so faithful who will all our sorrows share? Jesus knows our every weakness. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Are we weak and heavy laden, cumbered with a load of care? Precious Savior, still our refuge. Take it to the Lord in prayer. Do your friends despise, forsake you? Take it to the Lord in prayer. In his arms, he'll take and shield you. You will find a solace there. Blessed Savior, thou hast promised, thou will all our burdens bear. May we ever, Lord, be bringing all to thee in earnest prayer. Soon in glory, bright, unclouded, there will be no need for prayer. Rapture, praise, and endless worship will be our sweet portion there. Amen. That's a wrap on episode 40 on this, the 29th day of August, year of our Lord, 2021. This was Six in the Mix, talking faith, family, sports, and politics. Find our episodes on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast content. Review us and leave a comment. Visit our Facebook page at Six in the Mix Podcast and comment on what topics you'd like us to discuss. We are also on Twitter at Six in the Mix Pod. Join us on our journey.